is Easter a pagan holiday? Well, maybe, but the internet memes and the general consensus of uh, the anti-Christian historian, they're still wrong on a few points, but they're all missing the point. Let's talk about that today as we stray further every day. Well, hello there, and welcome to Further Every Day, the podcast where we explore current events of the Christian worldview. Each one of us is sitting in a chair. From that chair, we will attempt to articulate a position, an apologetic position from that slice of the Christian worldview. To my right this morning, I got the Jennifer. Hello, hello. I'll be in the chair of theology today. Glad to have you there, going to the Bible for our truth. And then uh, yours truly, John Arthur, sitting in the chair of philosophy. We're trying to come from this from the perspective of the intellectual rigor that one must bring to the faith. To my left, I've got Winston. Howdy, hey. How's Hi. it going? I'm alive. Barely. Um. <laughs> He's in college, guys. He's sitting in the chair of culture. Okay. And uh, glad to have you there dealing with the culture that the world has developed and the counterculture that we must bring. And then, of course, we've got Mr. Steve. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, John Arthur, sitting in the chair of politics this morning. Glad to have you there dealing with the political nature of our beliefs today. It's not going to be so much chair focused, but we, we want to talk about this issue of uh, Easter. Where did it come from? Where does the concern that some folks have that it's a pagan holiday come from? Some of the problems with some of the logic on both sides. I've been listening, I've inundated myself with stuff on this, and both sides have made my head hurt. Um, <laughs> and not And not from being brilliant. Uh, so, but before we get into it, I want us to read Colossians 2.8, because the Bible prescribes a methodology and a spirit for us to pursue such matters. Uh, 2.8 and 2.16 through 17, can, uh, Jennifer, can you get 2.8 for me? Sure. Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. So, only Scripture, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, but then there, there's a method and there's a, a, a personality that we're supposed to, to come at this with. Can you get Second uh, Colossians two sixteen through 17? Same passage, just a little bit further down the page, uh, Winston. Mm-hmm. So let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. So, and and before someone takes this out of context, this is specifically speaking about those who were Judaizing the new Gentiles saying you need to be circumcised, you need to uh, celebrate these feasts, you must, you must, you must, you must be performative, you must act out these works. I want to make sure people understand that's not where we're coming from today. But um, Mr. Mr. Steve, are you in the show, Matt? Yes, I am. Can you get Romans uh, 14, 10, and then uh, 13 through 15 for us? Certainly. But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set and out thy brother? Boy. For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. But if thy brother be grieveth with thy meat, now walkest thou not charitably, Destroy not him with thy meat, for whom Christ died. Now, again, what was the context here, Jennifer? Uh, Well, he's talking about, in Romans, the merging of Jews and Gentiles, and that, uh, you know, the the Jews were not to think of themselves as better than the Gentiles, and the Gentiles not to think of themselves as better than the Jews. And so that, you know, if, if you are with someone, let's say you're a Jew in Rome, and you're with a Gentile who's eating whatever, even things sacrificed to idols, and you look at that with disdain because of old covenant laws, 
or just laws from the Old Testament, that's not appropriate because it's it's about a certain amount of knowledge that the person has about what they're eating, why they're eating it, and whether or not that is afflicting their conscience or not. And so this is the spirit that we are to take into this matter. So, you know, none of this has to do with, with, with Easter versus Passover versus pagan holiday or not, but I just want to set that, that table and make sure, because some people, this is a hot button topic and some people get kind of wrapped up about it. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to say, spoiler, I'm not a big fan of Easter. I'm a big fan of Passover, first fruits and unleavened bread. Uh, does that mean that peop- that I think people are in sin if if they're doing Easter? Mm, probably not, no, like really. But let's get into the arguments against Easter, and then let's talk about the arguments for Easter, and, and uh, I want to balance them both out. And really, the problem is, is this is a non sequitur entirely. This whole argument, it doesn't matter. It doesn't the issue is, if you want to be accurate, if you want to be correct, it has nothing to do with Easter. It has everything to do with what Christ said, do this in remembrance of me. But spoilers. Um, in the show map, I don't know if, you, if, if, if you're if you in there, Jennifer, if mm-hmm. you want to get the first uh, uh, Genesis couple of paragraphs. 10. Yes, Genesis 10, 8 through 10 says, And Cush begat Nimrod, and he began to be a mighty one in the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord, wherefore it is said, even as Nimrod the mighty hunter before the Lord. And the beginning of his kingdom was Babel, and Erech, and Akkad, and Calneh, and in the land of Shinar. Pause. Anyone who's a historian who's looked at post-flood cities, the early post-flood cities, will know that those cities were cities that were rife with sexual sin. We're talking Sodom and Gomorrah type activities. I uh, just just wanted to add that in there. Please keep going. Yes. After the death of Cush, his father, Nimrod married his own mother and became a powerful king and a god man to the people. Uh, Sem- Semiramis, his wife and mother, became the powerful queen of ancient Babylon, later to become the mother of God and the queen of heaven. Okay, so this is starting a history and link in the description down below. This this becomes an interesting story and for the most part this does seem to line up with antiquity. There's some there's some hang ups here with this one. It's a simple retelling of the of the mythos of Semiramis, uh, who ultimately became Ashtoreth. Um are you in the uh, show map, Winston? Yeah, I'm trying to find the scripture for this. Oh no 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 that 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 one part so she, she so when I paused in the land of Shiner that was the end of the scripture okay that was the end of the scripture yeah the the paragraph the last paragraph I read was just a summary of the general mythos surrounding Nimrod correct okay. correct and so the the general mythos of of Nimrod continues after that to Nimrod was eventually killed by an enemy so this is the the man who married his mother was killed by an enemy. His body was cut in pieces and sent to various parts of his kingdom, as legend has it. Uh, Semiramis told the people of Babylon that Nimrod had ascended to the sun and was now to be called Baal, the sun god. But there's no scripture forms to support this? No, no, no. This is actually from, from Mesopotamian accounts. Okay. So this is from Mesopotamian accounts, and th- th- this is ultimately where you get like the uh, epic of uh, Gilgamesh, and some of the mm-hmm. these, some of the parts of this mm-hmm. line up with this is third party history okay. uh, that we have with Mesopotamia, and so th- th- it, this is the beginning of uh, Ashtoreth and Baal, and so it it, it, it continues. Uh, Semiramis claimed that she ha- was immaculately conceived, not in this in this uh, history, but you'll find in others that Semiramis was actually a uh, prostitute. I don't know that there's a little bit of debate about that, but not much. Looks like she was a she was a woman of ill, Ill repute, but she con- immaculately conceived, and uh, she taught that the moon was a goddess that went through a 28 day cycle, ovulated when full. She further claimed that uh, she came down to the moon in a giant egg that fell into the Euphrates River. This was uh, to have happened at the f- uh, first full moon after the spring equinox. Again, this is the historian's account. Now, whether or not... Yeah, this is myth from Mesopotamia. Yeah. Correct. Semiramis, also known as Ishtar, 
which is not pronounced Easter. This 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 account is wrong. Easter is not from Ishtar. It's from a Germanic root, but we'll get to that. And her moon egg became known as Ishtar's egg or the Easter egg. Okay, this is the account. Ishtar, Semiramis, soon became pregnant and claimed that it was the rays of the sun god Baal uh, that caused her to conceive, and that son that she brought forth was named Tammuz. Tammuz was uh, noted to be especially fond of rabbits, and they became, again, this right here, I had a hard time actually uh, getting the original text on. Yeah. But, okay, uh, it was supposedly especially fond of rabbits. It became the sacred, and they became sacred in the ancient religion because Tammuz uh, was believed to be the son of the sun god, Baal. Tammuz, like his father, became a hunter, and one day he was killed by a pig. He was gored. The Queen Ishtar told people that Tammuz was now ascended to his father, Baal, not in a physical way, but in a, in a sort of a spiritual way, and that the two of them would, uh, would be with the worshipers in the sacred candle or lamp uh, as father, son, and Holy Spirit. That's this person editorializing. Uh, Ishtar was now the, who is now worshipped as the mother of God, queen of heaven, continued to build her mystery religion. After Tammuz was killed by a wild pig, the queen of heaven proclaimed a 40-day period of sorrow each year prior to the anniversary of the death of Tammuz. Every year on the first Sunday after the first full moon, after the spring equinox, a celebration was made. Uh... The 40 days that were celebrated for Tammuz are right before Easter. Again, we're not coming after a specific people group here, but Lent. Lent has a pagan origin. And if you want to go to Ezekiel uh, 8.14, can you read that for us, Winston? Ezekiel 8.14 you'll find that the days of weeping for Tammuz are in the Bible. And God has something to say about that. And he's rather particular about the the uh, worshiping of the Queen of Heaven by sorrowing for her son. Alrighty. Uh, so he brought me to the door of the north gate of the Lord's house, and to my dismay, women were sitting there weeping for Tammuz. This was a process of, and again, there would also be a riotous celebration before the days of weeping, because you would have to uh, go without. It sounds very familiar to a certain set of traditions that we hold today, uh, like Mardi Gras and Lent. I don't know that the that the Christian is is best served. By celebrating Lent. Yeah, I mean, all things considered, there are parts in the mythos that we uh, went over just now that are hard to substantiate. Um, Specifically, the days of weeping for for Tammuz, I think, are probably the strongest uh, evidence, just because we do have a literal Bible verse that talks about the weeping for Tammuz. But uh, the the point of going over this was, was not to to present it as fact, but just just so that you understand where people who are arguing against Easter are coming from. This is the, yeah, th- this is the argument from the other side, but it's got some holes in it. Yes. And some some holes, some things that are not holes. And I, I would say that, that some of the holes could potentially be explainable, but again, I, I don't think it's wise to lock down on 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 one issue here because the the easter bunny is not a (laughs) it's not something that we need to be an apologist for i i don't necessarily like atheists angry atheists taking things away that uh that that aren't necessarily bad but the argument the counter argument to this is going to be that um the osterherr which is oster which is a german word you remember what, what what that word means? It means mm. the opening, right? It means the beginning. It's like yeah. the blooming of the bud. Yeah, I remember now. Like the starting of mm, probably the spring. spring. Starting yeah. of spring. And so the Osterherr was something that the Germans picked up in the uh, what was it? I'm gonna have to look at the year 1600s. Yeah, 1600s, yeah. and it was imported to America in the 1700s, where this egg-laying 
mythical creature, the oster hare, would come and lay its its colored eggs. Um, and this this mythos is distinct from the one that we went over. This is the argument of people who think that it is benign to celebrate Easter with the Easter Bunny and its cultures because the Oster Hare does not have this negative uh, connection to things like Tammuz, which is explicitly rejected in the Old Testament. So this is a, a still kind of pagan, but so less it, so, I guess. Or at least it's not as well defined. Yeah. And, and there's definitely a spirit of the Queen of Heaven, and, and that's an interesting thing that sometime we might want to do a, a full a full bit on, but um, th- those Marian apparitions that um, are popping up, and again, I'm not coming after Catholics, please don't misunderstand me, but when this apparition comes to people, and you have Muslims, Jews, and, and, and Christians all coming together, and this, uh, uh, this Marian apparition says she's going to unite all of God's children, the Jews, the Muslims, and the Christians, together under one roof. You've seen more Marian apparitions in the last 20 years or 40 years than someone, someone did the calculation in the last 300 combined. Mm-hmm. And this person saying that I am the way, this, this spirit, does that, does that comport with Scripture? Uh, no. For multiple reasons. So if it, so, someone said it really well. You have to interpret biblical things through what lens? Biblical lens. Biblical lens. <laughs> if someone comes and claims to be a prophet, then, well, they better hope they don't get anything wrong. Well, in this case, it's an apparition. So we're we're talking. It's a spiritual entity. If it comes, in, yeah. if if an angel comes giving you a different gospel than what we have given you, you reject them. They're anathema. If it, I mean, Paul literally said, "If I come to you after this and give you a different gospel, reject me." There's there's no wiggle room for somebody claiming extra biblical revelation that directly contradicts the Bible. And 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 all of that to say the. There is a spirit of the Queen of Heaven, and, and it is the spirit of the mother and the child. And you will see this as something that has been... And this is the only thing that I would say might save the theory that Easter is directly correlated, is that it's the same pagan ideology that you see across the pagan world. You see that Aphrodite, you know, often with, with a child, uh, all these... all. It's very common. It's very common to have a mother holding a child. And then, of course, what happened with Mary? She was elevated to this position of a godhood state with a child. That's why a lot of people have gotten off saying that Tammuz was the original Jesus. No, he wasn't the original Jesus. He was just a clever counterfeit that Satan put out there long in advance, hoping to destroy God's narrative of redemption. So, but none of that matters. I, I would argue, so So now that we've led you down this primrose path, I don't think any of it matters. Because what when Jesus said, do this in remembrance, remembrance of me, Winston, what was Jesus partaking of? Passover. Which he, cup in the Passover? Uh, I believe, well, it was the third, yeah. Yeah. Cup so. of redemption. Mm-hmm. And... All of the apologists for Easter, what will they say about the other languages? Not, not, not the German, but the Greek and et cetera, uh, the uh, uh, Byzantine languages. They'll say that it was and, Pesach. And what's mm-hmm. interesting mm-hmm. is he takes part of the third cup. What happened on the third day? Yes. Rose, you know, I mean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but they will try. They, a lot of people, I'll say Easter apologists. That sounds a little like I'm being judgy, I'm just just for clarity's sake, people who want to continue with the tradition of Easter will try to connect it to um, Pesach, which is Passover, Passover. which but is, it has not, nothing to do. It it's has, not connected. <laughs> it has nothing to do. So, it, and, and, and that's the issue, is that they'll say, you, you'll have, and this is what made my head hurt, you'll have these Christian historians who come out and say, Easter, we have the earliest recounting, we have a, a thing of uh, this one reference in AD 150 or 45, I forget exact date, uh, of Christians celebrating Pesach. It's like, yes, 
Pesach. Yes, the Passover. Passover, not <laughs> Easter. We have a record of someone in uh, 33 AD celebrating Pesach. So, so, and he said, "Do this in remembrance of me." Right. The, the the wafer, and the and the and the and the cup, are not what Jesus was holding. When he said, "Do this in remembrance of me," it was a Passover meal. And this is not to put you under the feast, but we're just saying, if you want to go down the road, if you, actually, if you want to be correct, oh my so goodness, put, putting on the glasses with the with the bandage in the middle, holding them together. Uh, sorry, sorry to be poindexter today, but actually, both <laughs> sides are wrong. Um, it, it, it's actually Passover, and and it, when did we lose Passover, Winston? He, well, from what perspective? The, um, I mean, you can you can say the Protestant Reformation, you can say the Catholics, um, if you want to. It it, to, it was long before the Protestant Reformation. It was Council of Nicaea, right? I, I guess, yeah. That was the, the um, original. Some would even say corruption as far back as Babylon, the Babylonian captivity. Corruption. Mm, And and by the way, again, that lends a lot of credence with Lent being celebrated and the the weeping for Tammuz. This this aura of the Queen of Heaven celebration has been sitting on believers since long before Christ. Yeah. But Council uh, of of Nicaea, 300 AD, they, they decided that no more Jewish feasts because those those Jews they were they were Christ killers you know, mm. and I can't uh, have anything associated with those Christ killers, man. And they can't do that. <laughs> there's been this aura of anti-Semitism, and and I don't, I don't want to go too far down this hole, but whose whose Passover is it? As per what it says in Scripture, the Lord's appointed times. It says the Lord's appointed times, and I and I want to go to that. I, I want to go to that scripture, and we were we, we were in it last night. We, you know, the, most of us in this group were in a Bible study. Um, let's go to Leviticus twenty three, and in Leviticus twenty three, you're going to see what the Lord says about three holidays in a holy week, and you've got Passover, unleavened bread, and first fruits. And these are the things that I really want to sort of focus on. What are we talking about when we say Passover? Jennifer, if you can get uh, verses 1 through 8. Sure. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say to them, Concerning the feasts of the Lord, which ye shall proclaim to be holy convocations, even these are my feasts. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of rest and holy convocation. You shall do no work therein. It is the Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. These are the feasts of the Lord, even holy convocations which ye shall proclaim in their seasons. In the fourteenth day of the first month at even is the Lord's Passover. And on the fifteenth day of the same month is the Feast of Unleavened Bread unto the Lord, Seven days ye must eat unleavened bread. In the first day ye shall have an holy convocation. Ye shall do no servile work therein. But ye shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord seven days. In the seventh day is an holy convocation. You shall do no servile work therein. Now, that word convocation, a holy convocation. Convocation in, in the Hebrew, in the original language, is mechrah. And that mechra uh, is a think of it as a Fourth of July celebration, or or frankly a Christmas celebration. It's supposed to be a pageant where you have reading, and you have worship, and you have celebration. It's supposed to be something that we all take part in. And those two, we've talked about Passover, and we've talked about unleavened bread. Winston, can you get nine? Through 14 for me, please. Alrighty. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land which I give to you and reap its harvest, then you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. 
He shall wave the sheaf before the Lord to be accepted on your behalf. On the day after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. And you shall offer on that day when you wave the sheaf a male lamb of the first year without blemish as a burnt offering to the Lord. Its grain offering shall be two-tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil, an offering made by fire to the Lord for sweet aroma, and its drink offering shall be of wine, one-fourth of a hen. You shall eat neither bread nor parched grain nor fresh grain until the same day that you have brought an offering to your God. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations in all your dwellings. Now, it, it, it carries on. This is a long passage on first fruits, but it goes on to the process of offering up a sweet aroma to God. And that's first fruits. The sweet aroma of, your, of sacrifice being offered up and passing up before the Lord. So we, we, we've gone to the Old Testament, and, and some of you are, are don't 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 turn it off just yet. I promise it's going to pay off. <laughs> I promise. But Passover. What was Passover originally supposed to do? What was the original in Egypt with Pharaoh? What happened at Passover that was so remarkable? The um, angel of the Lord, I believe, or a spirit of the Lord, came down and killed all of the firstborn because of Pharaoh's stubbornness. But because of the sacrifice of the lamb, which God commanded Moses to command the children of Israel to sacrifice, one for every household, a lamb without blemish, because of that sacrifice and because of the blood of that lamb that was placed on the doors and posts of every house of Israel, the angel of death, the spirit of death that came to kill all the firstborn did not enter any of their homes. It passed over them, literally. So, Passover, God's wrath passing over us. What was the purpose of all of the sacrifices leading up to Christ's death on the cross? What did they simply do? It was a shadow, a symbol. They well, it's, it's something else too. It's more. It's more than just a symbol. It was a symbol for God's wrath passing over. Yes. The children of Israel, for their sins. For their sins, and and you know, if you actually want to, you actually want to dig in deeper. Go ahead and find a Messianic Christian Haggadah on on Passover, and what you'll find is that you have four cups that are pour, that are drank over the course of this dinner, and each one has a special meaning. There is a there is a full. Uh, set of ceremonies that go around remembering what God did in Egypt and how he has provided a Passover lamb for us. It's no coincidence that Jesus, when he walked into Jerusalem, on Palm, or rode into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, what was happening on Palm Sunday? The households of Israel were selecting the lamb that they would kill several days later for Passover. You have to select it a few days in advance to inspect it and make sure that it truly is without blemish. And that's exactly what happened to Christ, who is our Passover lamb. And and some say, and, and I, I, don't, I don't know if you can substantiate this, but some say that Christ, when he was coming in in the triumphal procession into Jerusalem, he was coming in before the lamb that was selected had come in. And when they were saying, worthy, worthy is he, you know, blessed is he coming in the name of David, some people were conflating Jesus with the lamb. Like, some people got it. Some people got it, it and the Pharisees sense. were mad about this. Yeah. So I, I don't know if that's substantiatable, but it's interesting. And then what happened on Passover... What happened with Pilate? What did Pilate say about our Passover lamb? He is without fault. I can find no fault in him. Here, you take him, you kill him. What, what, what were the priests also doing that exact day? Checking. Checking a lamb when they found that it was without fault. 
they killed it. So concurrently, you have Jesus not only taking the Passover meal, but then after he leaves, he's betrayed, and then he's crucified, likely concurrently with the lamb that's being crucified. Some people believe that Jesus took the Passover meal one day early. I'm not going to get into that. That's an interesting debate. Wednesday or Thursday, it wasn't Good Friday. I'm sorry, that's not three days. Um, Passover, Passover would have been uh, three days before. Oh, you can't hear me. Well, no, no, no. It's just because you were your no, hand no, no. was in the way. Oh, of the mic. excuse me, excuse me. Passover was three days uh, before first fruits, but only one day before unleavened bread. So Passover is a celebration of the sacrifice, the lamb being brought out. But Jennifer, what what exactly is the feast of unleavened bread? So the feast of unleavened bread is seven days. And it's a, a little bit less concrete than Passover. A lot of times when you look up unleavened bread, it will just take you directly to Passover. Um, and, and the reason for that is because the main point of it is started in the Passover feast itself. But unleavened bread specifically um, is, as you might expect, about the leaven. It's about clearing the leaven out of your house. And in fact, in the Passover meal, you actually make a game of it with the kids and you get them involved. And it's a very uh, purposeful, very methodical uh, emptying of your home of all traces of leaven. What is leaven? So leaven is sin. And I was just about to pull up um, 1 Corinthians 5, where this is explicitly stated by Paul. Um, you know, he's talking to the, uh, to the Corinthians and he says, Purge out therefore the old leaven, that you may be a new lump as ye are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So that's kind of the symbolism that we're looking at here with the with the um, leaven and the unleavened bread. And the, the feast itself, the physical going through your house and getting rid of all of this, um, even down to the tiniest little crumb, is a really good... Um, like hands-on physical picture of how we should be treating sin in our lives. And that's really what unleavened bread should be um, to, to the Christian and, and even to the Jew. Is, is a, it's a time to methodically look inwards and not just look at the big sins, the obvious sins, but really, really take the time and look at everything that you're doing in your life. Is it honoring God? Is there any little crumb that you're letting slip by? And to really, really, really purposefully examine every corner of your life, just as you would examine every corner of your house for every speck of leaven during the feast. So for those who lean more towards license over grace, I'm just going to say there's no, it's no accident that unleavened bread is after, it's the next day, after Passover, when you're saved, and in your redeemed and sanctifying life, you should have that kind of a rigor rooting, and I'm, I'm speaking to myself here as much as anyone, you should have that sort of rigor where you ruthlessly go through the home of your, of your heart and get rid of all the yeast or the leaven, the sin. You get rid of the stuff that a little bit changes the entire lump. You need to go in and root that out. That's something. That's something that, if you do not at least recognize the feast, you will miss this. You will miss this. And again, we're missing this in favor of Easter bunnies and eggs. I'm not necessarily saying one way or the other. If it's pagan, I lean that way. But, man. Whether or not it's pagan, it's about what you're missing, not what you have. Exactly. And so after, well, not after unleavened bread per se, because unleavened bread goes on for seven days. Passover, unleavened bread for seven days. In the middle of that, on the very first day of the week, we have first fruits. What is first fruits, Winston? 
first fruits is very important. One, because of the symbolism that is shown whenever we have, uh, after we have Christ's death and resurrection, him being the first fruits of the awakening, the, uh, um, from the brethren who have been asleep, a.k.a. believers of Christ, or well, believers of God Don't, at that point. But slow not, down, okay, slow okay. down, dig, dig into that, okay. dig into that point. What happened when Christ died? It's as he descended into the depths. Did he go to hell, or did he go somewhere else? The uh, the first fruits of the resurrection were all of the believers oh yeah, so be, who what, were in Abraham's, Abraham's bosom. bosom. Yeah. And and so when when we celebrate first fruits, Christ is leading in a triumphal march. Abraham and the patriarchs. Mm-hmm. And the uh, the amazing thing about that is because first fruits not only was it giving God your best, but it was giving your God your best, regardless of what your state may have been at that point. Because he is going to promise you the rest of that. He's going to give you the rest of that. Um, it's the first fruit, the best of your harvest, and you're gladly giving it to God because he is going to increase that bounty. In the same way, when Jesus Christ rose, that is the beginning of that increase of that bounty, which is the amazing thing because as we go on, you see Christianity skyrocket and many come to Christ. The and Jesus Christ being the first fruits of that bounty. Yeah, and it's and it's no accident that the entire New Testament from from Paul all the way through Revelations, the harvest symbolism for mm-hmm. Christians, for um witnessing to people, for getting people to accept Christ and then ultimately at the end of all things, the gathering together, the harvest language throughout the New Testament is powerful. And that's one of the things I think Christians are missing by not observing. So, Mr. Steve, yes. what your 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 thoughts on this? We've done a lot of the talking, but you 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 look at what the church has set aside. Do you think that that we're almost missing the forest for the gra- uh, for for the for the trees in or 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 do you, when we give up all of the symbolism that God gave us for rabbits and eggs, what does that do to our children? Our children have a tendency to lose the point of what Christianity is all about. Um, they have a tendency to think about, you know, okay, you know, I'm getting lots of candy. I see what's happening here. I'm, I'm, I'm getting a bunny coming around. I'm getting candy, and and hey, well, it's it's good time. I'm going to go out and I'm going to search for eggs. I'm going to have fun. It's a party. This is a great time. I'm waking up. I'm getting an Easter basket, and you know it's all about getting prizes and candy. They lose the concept of what Christianity, what Jesus sacrificed for our sins. And that's one of the problems that you have. You go to any of your major stores, any store. You can go to a pharmacy. You go to any store in the country, and what do you see? All you see is Easter Bunny, candy, everything. Everybody, for as long as you can ever remember, is woke about candy. There's nothing in any kind of way that is related towards, as Winston mentioned, the first fruits, which is what Jesus is all about. He's the first fruit of the harvest. He is the one that has risen for our sins, and gave himself up for our sins, sacrificed himself, God brought him down here, gave his son for the sacrifice of our sins, and it is all completely written. There was what, how many, a hundred and something prophecies or more I can't remember it, how many it was like uh, five hundred or something. I believe it Astronomical. was. Astronomical. Astronaut. Every single one of them 
was fulfilled. It, it would have been one every thing one of them for him to have fulfilled a couple of them because people could say that I mean, humans do look for patterns. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. And, and 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 that's just a fact. So someone could say that that you know you, you just looked at David re- writing about himself and you you've analogized that to Jesus. No, 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 no. There are specific and there are tangential prophecies that are all fulfilled. And when we and when we focus in on this Oster hare, and I, I'll, I'll say it that way: the the Easter bunny and the and the eggs, which again, I, I'm. I really do lean towards. We're going to find it at some point that the, the the goddess of heaven, the fertility goddess, queen of heaven, that whole spirit, I think, is probably what led to the Germanic uh, uh, mythos of the Osterhair. That's hard to substantiate, and I'm not. I'm not saying that saith the Lord, and I'm not saying that that if you if you celebrate Easter with a with an Easter bunny and rat and you know and and eggs you're going to hell or something like that but man doesn't the enemy want us to be distracted from the gospel well sure and even so, you know all, all these feasts that we're talking about the rich symbolism i mean passover in and of itself is literally a presentation of the gospel and you literally have a hunt in the passover you literally have, and you know, people say, well, you don't want to take away the tradition of the eggs. Guess what? It, there's a hunt in the Passover. Mm-hmm. So there's a, there is a, a, do you want to do this, Winston? Yeah. Uh, do you want to talk about the, uh, uh, Tosh. Tosh? The, well, one of the amazing things is that, that I, I always find amazing whenever we, we go through, uh, Passover on the previous Seder that I've, that was at my house and the current Seder. The one thing that I'm always astounded by is all of the symbolism. There is nothing that is used by accident. Yep. Whereas it, Easter just seems like this conglomeration is like, oh, we have a, we've got a rabbit and we've got chocolate that we need to sell. And 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 <laughs> it, it, it has balled into that. But in the right. Passover Seder, there's something called a matzah tosh. Mm-hmm. If you know what matzah bread is, it's the unleavened bread. Think saltines. Think think yeah. Think unleavened saltines. Uh, except they're not anywhere near as salty. They would they would be helped by that. But uh, I, I, I I love matzah. I love matzah. Anyway, but the matzah tosh is a three compartmented piece of cloth. And what happens with that piece of cloth? There are three pieces put in. What happens to the middle piece, Winston? The middle piece is removed and placed in the off coman. It's broken. It's broken oh, that's right. yes, first. Yes, it's broken. And then part of that broken piece is put into another piece of cloth. That we call the afikomen. Mm-hmm. Then, what happens to that afikomen, Jennifer? It is hidden away, and it stays hidden for a little while until after the meal. Until after the meal, and then all of the children are able to go and search for it, and the one that finds this broken middle piece and brings it back is given a gift. It's supposed to be a twenty or one hundred dollar bill. It's supposed to be the cash money. <laughs> talk with your Give father. Give me the money. So, mi- 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 Mr. Power, or pa- Pastor Powers, Winston's father, has uh, um, he-, he gave a book. Oh yeah, the first. I was, yeah, he I was, gave money. a book. I it's was supposed like, to Dad. be cash. Yeah. It's, like, it's supposed to be cash, Pastor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like, <laughs> put, put a bill in there as well. All right, you but, can give the yeah. book, but put something. But what does that obviously we'll have to talk to him represent, <laughs> Mister Steve? When when you go and you seek that which was broken and buried, and you see and it's resurrected, and you come to redeem that, what does that represent? What is the afikoman representing for us? Seeking a rebirth through Christ. You're seeking out Christ. Exactly. It's the middle piece of the Trinity. Exactly. And the Jews are still practicing it to this day. They're practicing this ceremony, and they do not know that that middle piece is Messiah who's come. And haven't grasped it out of how long, how long have they been doing this, and they haven't grasped it yet. The Lord has talked to them for since when? Yes. The exodus has been going on since the sacrifice of the lamb, the innocent lamb for the Passover, 
till this day, and they haven't grasped it yet. And all of these prophets have come to them, talked to them, given all of these prophecies for so many hundreds of years. They've gone into captivity for so many years and haven't grasped an idea yet. And they, I don't know if they just purposely want to refuse the idea well, or they, they're like, well, we don't want to admit that we've done this to, our, to the Messiah that came to do this. We don't want to admit we've done this but, and fulfilled the prophecy. Well, I think it's primarily an issue that of, we did that, you know, of Isaiah fifty-three being misinterpreted <clears throat> as Israel, whereas it's it's obviously talking about Christ. But that's a whole nother whole nother topic. Right, right, exactly. But the afikoman is broken in half. What happens to the other half of the afikoman? The one that was put back into the three-chambered matzatosh uh, package, Winston. Uh, is that the one that's broken? And then that's the bread that Christ mm-hmm. broke and said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And then the third cup is taken. Cup of redemption. The cup of redemption. Each cup has a has a meaning, and the fourth cup is a cup of rejoicing. And of course, if you have that many cups of wine, of course you're rejoicing. But uh, <laughs> small, small doses, guys. Small doses are grape juice. But... Uh, <laughs> Passover responsive. Okay, I'm done. I'm sorry, um, but but that cup of redemption and that peace in Christ says, "This is my body that is broken for you." He revealed the mystery. He revealed the mystery of that middle piece, the afikomen. When Christ breaks that middle piece that we're telling you about. This is my body. I am the middle of the three, Father, myself, and the Holy Spirit. Breaks the afikomen. This is my body, broken for you. Man, do we miss that by focusing on egg-laying rabbits. And so, again, the point is not, if Easter is not pagan, like Santa Claus. We talked about this uh, mm-hmm. off, off air. We talked about this. This is a lot like... And we did an episode a while back. Mm-hmm. This, is a lot, this is a lot like the podcast that we did on Christmas, uh, where is Christmas a pagan holiday? No, but maybe a little bit. Uh, it's become that. There's been a lot of pagan stuff thrown into it. We, we have paganized offset, it. To offset the idea of... What Christ is all about. There's, you know, it gets thrown in there, and you know, well, heck, what does what does Satan try to do? Yeah, he and tries to mislead people, mm-hmm. set you down a different path, and put you off in this direction. And, yeah, and a little you bit know, of leaven leads you away from Christ. A little bit of leaven leavens the whole lump. And in exactly. in in some aspect, it doesn't exactly what John. It doesn't matter if these things are pagan in the sense of you're thinking like some ancient religion it matters if it's usurping christ whatever it is whether it's pagan or modern or whatever if if it's the drums if it's the issue that you have drums in your worship service that's keeping you from worshiping think about that for a moment if you're refusing to if you are refusing to worship because there are drums and by the way i have been guilty of this okay uh you if you are allowing something to get between you and the worship of Christ, and it is not something that God has ordained. Hey, I like drums. So, hey, I, I spend a lot of time in a Messianic Christian congregation. People said, the drums are from the demons of hell. I'm like, well, you've never been to a good worship service where they use drums well. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, because a Christian worship music, uh, Messianic Christian worship music, rather, go look it up. It's pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> Messianic Christian music is awesome. <laughs> but uh, all that to say, if something is inhibiting you from giving your full devotion to Christ or focusing on him, you know, it might be wise to reconsider it. So are, it, are Easter eggs, uh, you know, pagan? I think so. Uh, can anyone substantiate it? 
it's hard. And all the people who've tried to disprove it have also been woefully lacking in their, like they will not even talk about lint. Yeah. And they won't talk about the fact that this whole ball of wax really resembles the goddess or the, the queen of heaven mythos that has crept in. So does it matter? Uh, not, well, not really. Maybe we should just be focusing on on Christ instead of focusing on what's pagan and what's not. Let's focus on what did Christ say to do in remembrance of him. It's meat sacrificed to idols, essentially, at the end of it. But, but this whole issue is. Mm-hmm. Yes, this whole right. issue is an issue of, is it a matter of conscience or is it a matter of, 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 of thus saith the Lord, Jesus did say, do this in remembrance of me. I'm going to say communion. If you're, if you're just doing communion, you're not sinning, but you're falling woefully short of what Jesus was doing. Like Jesus was doing the Passover Seder. He said, this is my body. It's the afikomen. Like this is right in smack in the middle of Seder. You know, you know uh, Easter time, you know, it's, a, it's a good time for an excuse to get lots of chocolate. I like chocolate, <laughs> man. But... But you're missing. But, but you're missing but the. Uh, the thing is, is let's not pass the time to use it to understand that it's the time for Christ. Yes. That doesn't need to be passed up. You, doesn't that need to be needs to over. Right. Stop. Doesn't need to be passed over. <laughs> so I was kind of just slipped that in there. But I just, I just, that I, needs I'm to be brought in. Those points need to that. be made. You can't forget that. And you know, the, but it's a good excuse. Uh, ex- I mean, if yeah. you like to get lots of chocolate, hey, mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. that's fine. But yeah, Christ needs to be the center. Yeah, and and exposing your children to this um, kind of stuff, showing them the complexity of Scripture, the beauty of Scripture, the the interconnection between the Old and New Testament, all of these things. This is going to create Christians with a much firmer foundation than the fun Sunday school stories that are put in the same category as the Easter bunny of like fun stories to tell on Easter. That has to be a clear distinction. Because we've elevated these stories of of Osterherr. We've elevated the stories of the Easter bunny and we have devalued the story of Christ by neglecting... how easy would it be to include your the Passover and unleavened bread are specically involving the children in ways that will be fun and understandable for them. You this is the tool. This is the right. tool to get your children involved early in understanding the story of redemption. This is the tool. Completely. And, and when we way, lose it, it, they're left just. Thinking it, it, that Christianity is is nothing, it that it's just something made up. Back it needs to be brought back into the Christian values and shown. It needs to be being brought back in as like uh, like Winston had said. It is the Lord's times. Yes, it's a Lord's. It's the Lord's feast. It says Correct. these are the Lord's feast. It doesn't say these are the Jews or the Hebrews' feast. It says these are. This is the Lord's Correct. feast. And 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 by the way, you, you want to get a kid excited about going to a service? That twenty dollar bill. <laughs> That'll oh, do man, it, fam. That'll oh, do man, it. That was well, it for me. It's hey, like hey, I'm hey. gonna find that Afi Komen. Hey, they had me with the meal. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you want to get? You want the kid? college kids free food? You want the little kids free money? It, it, yeah. it, it is is absolutely so. For those of you who think it's not relevant or hip, uh, sorry. It's fun. It's, no, it's, it, it, fun. it's, yeah. it's amazing. It's an amazing. And that horseradish, service. that horseradish, oh, and, the, horse. and the, the bitter herbs. Harosa yeah. is yeah. apples roasted. You, sh- you need to roast the walnuts. You got to roast the walnuts. Mm-hmm. Brown sugar, uh, cinnamon, and uh, some of the spices. Cinnamon and apples. Oh and, man! And yeah. mm-hmm. that, on, the, mm-hmm. on, the, on the matzo bread, it is a different experience. So good. But, you know, it brings up an important point, because when we're reading something like Leviticus and we're reading about these feasts, it's really easy to read them very dryly. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just, you know, it's like some dusty old scribe or whatever. But these are truly joyous, fun celebrations. It's a time to get together with your church family and to, I mean, just soak in 
how much has been done for you. I, it really, honestly, after we had the Seder um, the on that Sunday, we had the Lord's Supper again. I was almost in tears. And it was just so much more meaningful and so much closer to your heart when you are just so expressly reminded physically right in front of you all of these things that are just shouting the gospel to you. It's so wonderful. It's so wonderful. You know, I, and, I and think the, it would be a, a fantastic thing that if churches started doing, instead of just having a basic Lord's Supper like they do, do just like Winston's father had had and have start doing the Passover Seder. Passover Seder for their churches instead of just a regular Lord's Supper. Find a messianic Haggadah, uh, something um, that that is that acknowledges a uh, Haggadah is an order of service. Just because c- I've used that word, I'm I'm sorry. A Haggadah is an order of service. Find an order of service Haggadah that is messianic in origin. It it lays out everything step by step. If you if you have never done seder everything. before, even if no one's ever done seder before, get a messianic Haggadah, and it will lay out step by step. This is when you partake of this cup. This is when you eat the meal. This is when you hide the offcomen, and it. It ties it all together. It makes it very easy. It's very right. simple, and you got to remember, Passover was Christ's death. Unleavened bread was the week after. In the middle of that week, he came back on first fruits Sunday, the very first day of the week, very early in the morning. We went to the tomb. Fifty days later, what happened? The Feast of Weeks, also known as Pentecost. Pentecost, when we received the helper, the another comforter, the Feast of Trumpets, Yom Kippur, Feast of Trumpets. Where else do we hear about trumpets in the Bible? Revelation. Right before we get taken Seven out. Seven trumpets. No one knows the day or the hour because the Feast of Trumpets is actually uh, done based on uh, the, the new moon and the barley and all that good stuff, so no one knows the day or the hour, but you can know the feast. It's the, I'm, I'm going to say, I'm pretty sure, not that's it, the Lord, but I um, have a high level of confidence that he's coming back on the Feast of Trumpets. We should be excited to see that day, the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. What's going to happen at the White Throne Judgment? I mean, it's you're gonna new heavens, sh- new earth, you, all of it. And then Sukkot, the Feast of Booths, God dwelling with us in a thousand-year reign, and then eventually a heavenly reign, uh, uh, new heaven, new earth. thousand-year reign is before Great, great White Throne. <laughs> this is true. This is true. But I, I know where you're but, going but, with but, it. But, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But, but, but the, there <laughs> right. is a judgment at the end, at yes. the end of Revelation. Yes. Because I, I, I misspoke. I misspoke. You're no, correct. no, no, no. I, we understand what is, you're talking about. Point is, point is, God the, the, with, the feasts, God with. the fall feasts as a pattern of the end times is incredibly fascinating, and you should look into it. it That's what we're getting at. Beautiful. So, so <laughs> yeah. you're looking at the feasts. Look at the tabernacle. Look at how it was built. It is a layout of heaven. Compare it to Revelation. Look at the feasts. They're prophetic in nature. If you discard the Old Testament... No, you can't sacrifice today, okay? It's a, it'd be an anathema. Christ, is Christ not enough that you have to sacrifice? That's not what we're saying. But at least note these days when they come through. In Passover, there's no reason to not do this in remembrance of me, as Christ said. Mm-hmm. So, is Easter pagan? Is it getting in the way of well, Pesach? It, it very well could be for many, many people. So let's I, let's think about I don't, it that I way. I don't. It it depend on the pagan part. It depends on what part of it that you're partaking in. I agree, and you that's know, a, and that's I, a, that that that's the that's the part there. You know, yes. if if you're partaking in. The parts of where it's just the Easter Bunny part, and you're searching. Hey, yeah, that's probably that's probably pagan. pagan. If if you're partaking in the part of the Passover, the Seder dinner, and doing this, and you know, no, and, and, and so that's all not the a pagan type, part. all of the Easter apologists, and and, I, and I, I'm I'm not I'm not coming at you by calling it it, but I'm saying those who are defending Easter the name Easter in Easter, they'll say, well, it's actually Oster right. in German, but it comes from Pesach. It's like, 
but yeah, it, but that, but what we're so eggs and rabbits are not Pesach. Yeah, they're not Passover. Pesach, right. Passover. They're not Passover. So <laughs> let's focus perhaps on that. Just going around the room, wrapping up thoughts. If your Easter celebration is indistinguishable from an atheist celebrating Easter with the chocolate and the egg hunt and the bunny. If the only difference is you just go to a church service just like every other Sunday and then it's immediately into the chocolate and the egg and it looks no different from how the rest of the world that rejects Christ at this point in time is celebrating that day, I think that 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 needs to be a a deep introspection with the spirit guiding you whether or not that is appropriate. You should be considering carefully what you're focusing on. Again, chair philosophy. What are you dwelling on? What are you focusing on and why? Why is that what on earth does a egg-laying rabbit have to do with Jesus dying on the cross? Afikoman being broken at Passover. That's exactly what Jesus was doing. I suggest, again, you're not, I'm not telling you that you're in sin if you're not doing a Passover Seder. And this is coming after after Easter. We're doing this with the mind of maybe people are a little bit less defensive after Easter. But just remember, <laughs> what are you doing and why? Winston. Yeah. Family time again. What a... Uh... What example are you setting for your children? Mm-hmm. You're setting an example of, oh, well, I'm, and this is just for the people who go to church roughly every Sunday, not for those who, once they hit Easter, that's 50% of their attendance that year. What example are you setting for your children? You're setting an example of, look, we, we do this fun thing, and it has nothing to do with Jesus. We don't really talk about him except that he's a gift as well, and that's kind of like the chocolate that you get in your egg and now get on your sugar high and go to sleep. That's not at all what it's about. Um, if you skip over Passover, if you pass over Passover, you are missing a huge section right there, a huge chunk. You, you've, you haven't completely gotten rid of Christ, but you've done a good job of making yes. him as minimal of a role as you can. Yes. And that that is the scary thing because you're setting an example to your child that we celebrate, and when we celebrate, we distance ourselves from Christ and his example. Yes. Now, whenever you do Passover, you say, okay, we celebrate around Christ and all that was done there. Mm-hmm. Yes. Very good. Mr. Steve, closing thoughts. And I agree completely with what uh, Winston was saying. I'd just like to add that you know, I think uh, churches around the country need to start during their time of, of that is instead of doing the Lord's Supper, they need to start and doing a Seder. Yes. Bring that and in, instead of doing this Lord's Supper where they just got this little cup and this little wafer and, and doing it, let's start doing the Seder. Amen. Let's start doing this. I mean, we can have a a dinner for any kind of number of reasons in a church. Why can't we have one for a Seder? I mean, we can come up with snap of a finger for a dinner for what? Some, Graduation for or something. For whatever. Yeah. I mean, we're going to have one to get some money for kids to go to a camp. Hey, man, let's. why can't we do one for Jesus? Some people would make and, an argument that Jesus commanded it. I'm not sure if I would go that strong, but why wouldn't you? Why right. wouldn't you? I, I mean, why not, man? Why wouldn't every pastor across the country want to do that? I mean, it's 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 a time of the Lord. And besides, you know something? I like to eat rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, Come thank on, you man. so much for tuning in today. Uh, moral of the story, fry the Easter bun. Okay, anyway. Uh, no, no, don't do that. Don't do that. you got to be loving. Okay. This but is no, that's how we right. treat the it. pagan gods, children. Oh, you're you're supposed to boil it, aren't you? Boil them. Yeah. Boil them. Okay. 
<laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in today. No, no, if, you, if you enjoyed this podcast, like, comment, share, subscribe, all that good stuff. Uh, if you didn't like this, tell us why in the comment section helps with the algorithm. Uh, and uh, make sure you smash that dislike button twice. Thank you so much. We love you all. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. All right. So for those of you, if you're still here, for those of you who have taken part in a Passover Seder, what is your favorite part or dish or 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 herb in the Seder to take part of? And explain what it is real quick. So I just went to my very first one, this, this Seder, and... Um, hmm... It's hard to pick out one specific element. I think that I really enjoyed the whole... It's not something that you eat. I mean, you eat the upcoming, but I, I really, really like the whole Matsutosh, the whole Trinity picture. Um, it's just... Yeah, it's 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 amazing. Well, since you took up the goal and lay up here, I'm going to say the haroset is uh, <laughs> awesome. It's like, a, it's like a fruit and nut salad that you mix with horseradish. It was really it's good. It's a good fruit salad. Yeah, yeah way, yeah, way, way solid. good. It's just delicious. Uh, but uh, obviously the matzotash is the crown of it all. But keep going, Winston. The For me, it's actually the horseradish, and it's because I absolutely detest it. It's so bitter. <laughs> the bitter, the bitterness of sin, mm-hmm. and the bitterness of slavery but to sin. It really hammers that point, and yes. <laughs> yep. don't forget it. <laughs> yep. Oh, and, you'll and, be crying. And, and and I forgot the harosa is the, the sweet fruit salad is meant to mix with the horseradish because you have tears in life and bitterness in life, but you also have the sweetness that comes with walking with God. Kind of a cool picture, Beautiful. Mr. Steve. I I really enjoyed the the whole event itself was just amazing. It's the first time I've ever had and been during a seder, and I'll tell you, I I really appreciate what Winston's father had done, and uh, it was just an amazing thing to do. Which is one reason why I think we need to start doing this in churches. And tell you what, the cinnamon apples. Fantastic. Mm. <laughs> yes. So it's 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 spelled Gosh. char charoset, but you gotta say I did I, I did also like the lettuce, just the lettuce that you just look at. Oh, yes, yeah. the herbs. So so yeah. not not every Haggadah has has lettuce in it. Yeah. But anyway, if you've ever enjoyed a Seder or if you're curious about what we just talked about, go ahead and comment down there. It helps the algorithm and uh, Thank you so much. Y'all have a wonderful week. Bye-bye. For real this time. Bye. 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 Bye.